Current casts on Dublin Digital Radio. So we're here in Inner City Helping Homeless on Amin Street and I've got members of Subset and also Pauline, your fundraising manager. Yeah. Is that correct? Pauline? Yeah, with ICHH. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and we're here to talk about fundraising. So that's the kind of issue that has drawn the two organisations together. Um, do you want to tell me how that came about? Um, well, it actually contacted us. Um, in relation to doing something for us and initially we were very intrigued when we looked up their work and we're thinking wow this is this pretty pretty big Um, and we just kind of started from there I think it just kind of rolled and then I think the main the main thing that kind of took us was when that mural was done no place like homeless you went to comments that people have come back to us with that like that has really kind of triggered off so much for us we're great admirers of what they do and just more than happy to be actually associated with the work that they're doing. And, you know, please got to be a, a long, long relationship that we have with them. Um, I think in relation to just awareness as well of the homeless situation, awareness and, um, you know, just maybe bringing it to people's attention where people don't see homelessness like that. No place like homeless has hit so many people, you know, has brought comments to us that would never have even noticed. Do you know what I mean? Oh, mm-hmm. that's amazing. What's that? Who's that from? And it's brought people to our door that we probably never would have had at our door before. So it's a whole it's a whole new perception or a whole new way of making a, uh, making people aware of the homeless situation, you know, without actually using many words. And for a subset, I suppose it was a particular set of circumstances in a way that would have joined. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But just, just to say and to make clear... Um, because a lot of the time the wires get crossed. Although we're curating grey area, it's a community-based project. There's multiple different individuals and companies and organisations uh, who are constantly working on the project, and without them it wouldn't be possible. Um, so just to note that for anyone who's curious who's responsible for it, it's it's the artistic community and uh indirect and direct contributors who are known to them and we're very grateful for all of those people who are involved um but the project started as a protest to current legislation in relation to large format artwork in the public realm so painting of murals or art pieces in the outdoors um so your work in that respect was kind of becoming constrained in a way so was this a way to channel your energies into another in another way uh, no not no. I wouldn't really say it was constrained if anything this whole situation made us pursue with definitely increased vigor um it was just again we were talking about this earlier but uh, I'll repeat it because hopefully there'll be different people listening to this podcast um we were in a position in Christmas of 2017 where we thought we were going to have to close our doors we were under massive financial pressure because certain people we'd worked with hadn't paid us and we thought that okay things are over for us so we may as well go down swinging and we decided the people or organisation actually not the people but the organisation or the system that we would take aim at would be Dublin City Council because we wanted to try and lay the foundations for the next subset if it wasn't us that went on to become that say 
um, that overall vision and ideal of what it could be or what or what culture in Ireland could be like. Um, so the reason we hadn't brought it to the attention of the public until that point is because we felt if if we shone a light on the situation between ourselves and Dublin City Council that it would have an incredibly negative impact on our ability to generate revenue and sustain ourselves. So it's fear based from ourselves. Um, so when we got to the point where that didn't really matter anymore, um, and we brought it to the public attention through uh, editing or amending our Stormzy and Gracie art pieces um, in protest to the situation. That's when a lot of people flocked to us and that's when a lot of people started to show support. And that's when we you know, sort of regained our, our, our ability to look into the future and see what it is that we wanted to do. So that resulted in the Grey Area Project um, on a much larger scale involving all the different people that I outlined already. And uh, I actually can't even remember when we linked up with ICHH. I think it was like we'd, we'd worked with the guys years ago. Um, well, we did very little, but we just did an art piece years and years ago. It was online there recently, but... I think it was about May. No, because the exhibition was in May no, or June. I, no, it was in June. First one. You it was no, no. I actually know when it was. Sorry, um, so used to telling this story that slipped my mind. Now. <laughs> but we went in to meet with Dublin City Council to discuss the matter of planning permission being required for artwork, and um, we had put together a framework that we felt would be suitable as a foundation um, for the discussion of how artwork should be governed in Dublin City. And, and during that conversation with three senior council officials, uh, w one aspect of the conversation was um, in relation to the fact that Dublin City Council didn't have the authority to change legislation and that we'd need to speak with the minister. But they informed us, and rightly so, that the minister is, has his hands full with a housing crisis. So the, the likelihood of, of him engaging with, with this issue, which we describe as, you know, we want walls to paint on when people don't have four walls to live in, that's not really a priority and we understand that. So they said, you know, this will probably take three years <clears throat> and homelessness is the priority. So in, in that instance, or at that moment, I should say, uh, we decided, okay, cool, then we'll make this project about generating a revenue for charity and ICHH based on our previous relationship and based on um, the relationship of the documentarians who produced the grey area documentary. Um, we decided to partner with ICHH and we're very glad we did because, you know, <laughs> the, the problem that we have with artwork, it's not even a problem. Like, who, who gives a fuck about that? Um, it's nothing in comparison to the plight that is homelessness on, on our society and our community and our brothers and sisters and our fellow countrymen and women, you know. So we're happy that we can take a subject that's not that really important is important to a minority and, and and try our best to channel it into an issue that we feel should be important for the majority. Yeah, and the practical issue, I suppose, that's uniting you both at the moment is the actual fundraising, I suppose. What's your experiences of fundraising been like? Absolutely whopper. Terrible, 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 terrible. I think it's coming more about awareness um, you know, like as I said, you know, just probably the artwork has such a big impact on the way that's probably highlighting the 
the battle that we have. How long have you been working in fundraising with the organisation? Um, I'm with ICHH three years and I just came in and just started on reception. And like everybody here just does whatever's needed. So although they say you're in charge of fundraising, it's it's just a, a name to go to for fundraising. So, you know, but um, we still do everything like, you know, all of us do whatever's needed, whether it's making the sandwiches, driving the van, doing reception, hoovering the floor. It doesn't matter. You just come in. There's no labels. There's no status. Everybody's the same. Everybody's treated the same. Um, and hopefully that will never change. I think that's why we work so well. Um, because we are non-funded, so we're not scripted by anybody. We're able to say it as it is. We're able to put our figures out as they are. Um, we go in, there's no frills about us. There's absolutely no frills whatsoever. There's no fancy leaflets. So if fundraising know. for you, what does that mean if you have to raise cash? How do you go about doing that? Um, we try a couple of different appeals. Maybe like at the moment, we're trying to get people to do coffee mornings. Um, we're trying to get people... I may say fundraising, like we have, we're very lucky to have some large corporate partners, corporate charity partners that would really, really help. They help us out big time in the bigger areas that we need funding. Um, and then we also, fundraising can be in the form of clothes donated to us, you know, chocolate donated to us, time donated to us. Yeah, although we need cash to survive, we also need those other items to survive. We don't have them. We can't bring anything out to our rough sleepers on the street at night. Um, but the fundraising, of course, it's important. We have to keep a roof over our head. You know, we are non-funded, as we say, and we're only able to do what we can do because of the generosity of the public and the corporate partners that we have. But I mean, we just have to put it out there. We have to try and, you know, make people see exactly what we're what we're dealing with every day, try and get them to even close their eyes and imagine it, maybe taste it. You know, I love to get anyone that I'm talking to, if I'm sending an email to somebody, I'd rather say, come into the office to me and let me show you around. And it'll just make things a lot more real for you. You know, I could talk for 20 minutes and somebody could be dreaming about their shopping or like hanging out washing out. You know, it's it's just better to come in and, you know, show you, OK, this is what we are. This is what we do. This is how normal we are. Our volunteers are from 18 to probably 80, you know, so it's just it's just a it's just a very, very lovely place to be. Um are people we, more likely to donate their personal time rather yeah, than yeah, money? Yeah, completely. Their personal time and money. I say we, we nearly mostly on a day to day survive with um, like our corporate partners would help us out largely saying the likes of transport, the vans, keeping the vans on the road and um, sleeping bags appears because we have to buy all our sleeping bags and um, we have to buy all our meats. We have to buy our bread. We have to buy our milk, you know, um. We would have to say a thank you again to Fire Restaurant over in the Mountain House. They make our sandwiches every Monday night for us without fail. Um, we have women come in every other day then to make sandwiches for us. So it's all about people just giving their time, which is fundraising manually and um, without actually the cash coming in. But it's as important as anything else. We survive, as I say, mostly daily with all the little donations that come in the door through the coffee mornings, through the cake sales. Um, people's birthdays now they're starting to do birthday fundraisers for us say on Facebook and Facebook are now taking the costs for that they're paying the cost so it doesn't cost us or doesn't cost the person anything um, the marathon is on the weekend um, the shoebox appeal will be coming in like that's that's a massive 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 thing for us as well to be able to give our rough sleepers what are, what's needed every night um, so yeah I mean fundraising is fundraising but it's also to me it's raising awareness it's raising you know giving the kids knowledge 
maybe I love getting, I love going into schools and talking to teenagers and trying to say to them, you know, like, what have your ma said to you tonight? Get out. Off you go. Good luck. See you in a week. You know, just stop and think what that would be like for you. How would you cope? What would you wear? What would you eat? What would be your priority? And they're the things that we need. You know, we need your comfy runners. We need your tracksuit. We need your hoodies. You know, that's as important to us as that money coming in. When we need the money, we'll scream a little louder. You know, I should probably be screaming a lot louder, to be honest. I'm not I'm not a very forceful person. I more kind of like to hold back and hope it comes. But I, you know, we're more forceful. Yeah, I was we, gonna get to we you. don't <laughs> knock on people's doors. You know, we kind of just hope, live in the hope that, you know, it will come. And so far we, we, we manage. We keep our head above water. But could we do it more? Absolutely. Of course we could. Yeah. Yeah, we could do it more. And I think the sad part for us is that homelessness just becomes more visible in the wintertime. People forget it's 365. It's not just the wintertime, you know, and it can be anybody. It can be because of a marriage breakup, you know, job loss, just rent being too high. It's not all about addiction. It's not all about mental health. There's a million reasons why. And it can knock on anybody's door, you know, and people are afraid of homeless people. They're afraid to engage with them. They're afraid, you know, and it's it's trying to teach them. Listen, you know, like for me, you know, I experienced 12 months two years ago where I had to sleep on my mother's sofa, you know, and after working all my life, that was the last thing I thought I was going to have to do. But I did, you know, so it can happen to absolutely anybody. Is it a seasonal cause? Because I suppose the the traditional thing, Christmas time, everybody starts to think about it and talk about it. Yeah. Is that something you guys noticed too? Yeah, like this is our busy, busy time now, you know, and we try and even if people want to do fundraisers for us, we'll actually try and say some, some, maybe you hold off till January, you know, when it's cooled down a little bit, you know, people might want to give a little something then after Christmas. But it's like people have it on their Christmas list to tick you know, and that's great because we need that. That benefits us. But it is 365 and we need like in the summertime this year, you know, when the sun, when we had that fabulous weather and the lads, we done the sun cream and water um, appeal and all that came in. You know, it's about realizing this is all year round, lads. This is not just Christmas, you know, but we welcome everything that we get at Christmas because it can keep us going well into the new year. So we have to, you know, we have to acknowledge that not everybody is as up as well up in the reality of homelessness as we would be. And we have to respect that. And we just have to welcome everything that we can get. And it will hopefully last a bit longer for us. And uh, for Subset, what's your experience of fundraising been like so far? Because you guys, I suppose, are taking a bit of a different tack. You've set yourself a pretty big target, if I can say so. I think, like, just... (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um... We've organized an event and people like going to events and we've done a very unique event in the sense of it's loads of what 35 artists, mm-hmm. 35 artists, street artists, graffiti artists, whatever you want to call them, artists. Um, and in it's one in, place. In one place, indoor, we have um, music, we have food, we have beverages, coffee, like just a good buzz and all the money is going to the ICHH and we are it's so hard to get people to commit to that even though we have a huge following people love the artwork they appreciate it they comment they want to help but it still shows how difficult we it's proven how hard it is to get people to actually 
We've invested we've invested probably about just us now, like a quarter of a million quid into this. Not in cash, but a substantial amount in cash. And we've raised five grand. And that doesn't even take into account all those other people that I mentioned their time and their effort and their energy. So that is a very, very small return. That's poor business. And like that's the reality. So we're constantly trying to identify why is this? How can we change this? How can we actually fix the system as opposed to just, you know, putting a Band-Aid on it? Like, you know, instead of bucketing out the water of a sinking ship, plugging it, finding the hole and plugging it. And, that, and that's what we're trying to do. And we're trying all these different options and different approaches, albeit on a very small scale, of course. I'm not talking about, you know, what we're doing here comparison to what other people are doing for this issue is minuscule and it is nothing, you know, but we're doing what we can with the resources that we have at our disposal and it's proving very difficult and it keeps bring us, bringing us back to the point that, that this isn't something that, it is, but it shouldn't be something that people need to be sold on. It, it's a community-wide issue. Going back again, we're a small nation, we're an island, we are responsible for the conditions in which our fellow countrymen and women live. And we should be doing everything within our power because it's, it is within our power to, of course, not resolve it. It's a very big issue. It's going to take a long time, but we can definitely put a serious dent in it. I think if the government were to, like I often think, what if there was no ICHH? You know, like the guys that knock on our door every day, you know, and the hundreds of rough sleepers that we engage with every night. You know, what if there was no ICHH? Like we're probably saving the government a fortune by doing what we're doing and we all do it for free. If we were to actually get paid for the man hours that are put into this charity, you know, it would like cost an absolute fortune. And it's just really no, hard, that's good you know. Business. You know, like when you, you know, when you stop and think about it, you know, we're, it just shows that people just because they want to do something, how well they can do it and how right they can do it because they're not being paid. They do it out of passion and passion only. And everybody, every volunteer here has their own reason. A lot of them, we never know the reason and we don't ask, but everybody's here for their own reason. And it's when you stop and you look at maybe some of the other charities, you know, that where the big money is being pumped in. They're not out there at 11 o'clock at night when we're going out. You know, because they're gone home to bed. Because they're not voluntary. You know, because they're not, not voluntary. Coming from the right yeah. place. Exactly. They're not coming from the same. Exactly. And, you know, you kind of think to yourself, you know, well, what if we did close our door? You know, imagine all the lads we look after. You know, you couldn't do that on them. And like, if they're not going to get actively involved in it, fair enough, whatever. That's the way things are. But yeah. that they should definitely actively engage with the people who are. Yeah. I mean, we've reached out to the Minister for Housing and Planning for the office. We tried to schedule a meeting on several occasions. Each time we were just given the runaround, told you go back and talk to the council, the council tells us to go back and talk yeah. to them. It's like, if you know there is a serious issue going on, yes, you have multiple different tasks to attend to that are very serious and we understand that. But if you have like just 22 people in subset and there's probably about 150 people in grey area, that is a large quantity of people who are already investing time and energy and effort into the matter and trying to do what they can to assist with it. Why not link in with those people? Yeah. Yeah. Why not, if you're in the position 
like the top level position or your office is in the top level position, you should be leading the charge. If that was us in there and we had, if, if Subset had that many people come to us asking, oh, can we help you with this issue? We'd put them to work. Absolutely. And we're happy. We're coming forward and saying we want to assist. Look at us. We're standing over here. We're painting half the city to show you that we want to assist. And all you guys are focused on is telling us to take down the paintings. What reality are you guys living in? Like we said the other day, we had a, a, a talk with Dublin City Council on a forum for the matter. It was it was garbage. Like, I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, that's what it was. It was a joke. It was a diversion. Like the issue was not having the meeting. Grey area has evolved from being about artwork in the outdoor realm into a far more prominent and, and pressing issue. That's what the forum should have been on. How we can use artwork to further this cause. Not, oh... Artwork could be nice. Oh, artwork could be bad. Long pause. Three months later. Oh, we should do that again. I have another meeting for another meeting. And it's, you know, it just it's like we've already solved that problem. We're on to the next one. Catch up, please. Come and join us and help us with something that's far more pressing. And we'll work together as a community and we'll resolve it. Use us. You can definitely see the benefit of what we do and what all the other artists do. So you want to make money from it. Like, let's call a spade a spade there on that subject as well. Like, they do want to make money from it. And fair enough. If they want to, okay, that's fine. But let's actually sit down at a table and speak directly to one another and let's get this done so we can assist with a more pressing matter. Does any of that resonate with you, Pauline, in terms of kind of disappointment from engagement from other organisations, I suppose? Um. Yeah, I just, I, you know, it's like everybody, we all just want to do the same. We all just want to fix the problem. You know, it is, it's frustrating because you're banging on doors looking for help. You're banging on doors saying, you know, this is the reality. We had a meeting, you know, uh, last year while I was at a meeting with Anthony and, uh, you know, we were saying to the DRHE, you know, this is, this is what, this is the time we go out. This is who we see. This is, and the, what they said to us, oh, you go out at that time. That's interesting. And we thought, oh, my God, like, you're being paid all this money and, you know, you should know that this is the right time to go out when there is no beds left, <clears throat> when you're getting your true count. It's just, it's so, so frustrating. It would probably be more Anthony O'Brien that would be, you know, more opinionated on that part than myself. I see the frustration in them, you know, and would I love to change it? Absolutely. Um, but they would probably be, you know, the better ones to answer that question for you. But, um, like... I think even, you know, you can see the frustration with the fundraising as well and just trying to keep the door open, you know, and trying to I, I, trying to make people aware, you know, but it's just so hard because they yeah. only see it at certain times. I think, I think people are aware of the homeless issue, definitely. Um, and But it's getting people to understand. Yeah. Understand it totally. Exactly. And yeah. what you need to do to actually make a difference, whether like it is what you said. It just becomes Donating a sentence a and a conversation, yeah. you know. Oh, isn't it so? 10,000 people homeless, that's horrible. Yeah. But anyway, what's for dinner? Do you think people yeah. have you know, become desensitised to the issue in a way? Yeah, I think they, I think, I think they have. Um, totally, yeah, yeah, I think they have. You know, personally, I, I think they have. Um, I think on a bigger scale now than probably before. Again, certain times of the year, they're more sensitive to it. And it's just trying to, I think a lot of people are very privileged in this country and they don't they see it but they don't see it 
you know, and what we say to people is if they come out with us, if people come out as an observer one night and just see what we do, they wake up the next morning and they see Dublin City totally different than they did 12 hours previous and they will never see it the same way again. You know, it's it's because they walk past the, the rough sleeper and they don't see them, but when they actually engage with them on a night out with us, they see every single rough sleeper the next day. Yeah, and because they see you realise that they're people, they're, they're just people, people exactly. like you and anybody yeah. can end up in that situation anybody tomorrow. Any one of us yeah. could end up in that exact yeah. situation. And we need to remember that. Yeah, None people. of us are exempt. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. none of us. And like we define people, you know, and they just say they might be rude to rough sleeper. And we say, you know, lads, we could actually be giving you a sandwich in six months time. Yeah. So, you know, just stop and think, you know, have a little bit of respect. You know, that could be that could be your brother or your, it could be your dad. You know, you actually don't know. It could be your child. But isn't it know? isn't it like this whole thing of normal citizens, grassroots people having to go out and fill those roles? Yeah. Isn't that just a glaring failure on the part of Absolutely. the people who are responsible for yeah, these things? Completely. And as I say, if there was no ICHH, you look at our teams tonight and on one team you might have somebody from Brazil, somebody from Spain, somebody... A 50 year old grandmother, a 25 year old student. And these four people will walk out that door and they become a team. Yeah. And they work together. They have, you know, they're very well engaged. They know they've done their induction. They know how to deal with a situation. They know how to respect the rough sleeper. They know how to help them if there's anything needed. They know they have the support if it's required. And they come back and they all go home. They might know, they might not know. They could go out together for six months on that team. And they may not know what car each other drives, what each other does for a job, because all that is left at the front door. And you if you're if you're a rough sleeper, would you be classed in the statistics for being homeless or are there criteria to be classed as homeless? Would you have to be like in a hostel and going to I, certain places? Because I don't think that rough sleepers actually get counted, do they? The rough sleepers get counted, but I think what they try, to the best of my knowledge, and I could be wrong on this again, Brian would be the best one, but to the best of my knowledge... They try and change the statistics when you are, they, they come under homeless, the homeless count. And the homeless count that we would probably do would be the rough sleeper count. But then you have your homeless count, which would be people in emergency accommodation as well. Yeah. So I, as I could be wrong, but I think from moving from the hotels into the hubs, they may have subtracted them people from it to keep the count low. Do you know and, what the figures are for those you know, different groups? Yeah. For the groups? Well, curiosity, roughly even. Roughly, right. For August, there is 11,133. They didn't count 490 kids in the August figure. Why? I don't know. Because that many kids would make them look really, really, yeah, really they don't, they don't advertise kids. There was, a, there was 1,606 people recategorized, which is, I'd imagine what I'm saying about, you know, where they yes. put them into a different type of accommodation so yeah. they don't see them as homeless. homeless anymore. Yeah. So they recategorize them to take them out. If of there's it, a shelter the where you can, you can class as a fixed abode, somewhere yes. where you can claim your social welfare yes. from, they and don't then you're come no under longer the homeless. homeless. Yes. Even or though you don't have a accommodation. home. Yeah. yeah. So it's like everything is kind of massage to suit. Yeah. Corrupt loopholes completely. And how much of the budget that you as receive like would go to like I know for like that people will come here and they will be like, All the beds are gone, I've got my two kids, what am I gonna do for the night? Yeah. So what would happen in that situation? If from our recent experience, this is why we've had to make this room here, because we've had so many families coming to ICHH now where if a family is on the streets and you would immediately have to ring the intake, the family intake team and the family intake are responsible for accommodating that family for the night. 
it has happened on many an occasion where there is no accommodation. And if there is no accommodation, they're told to go to a Garda station and sleep in a Garda station. And this is where we get them and we'll bring them here. And then what we will do is we have contacts where we can book or we can hold a, a hotel room or a small apartment, sorry, not a hotel room, a small apartment for maybe three nights. Say coming up now to the bank holiday weekend, we will probably pre-book a couple of apartments for the bank holiday weekend to have them on standby because a lot of families in emergency accommodation coming up to a bank holiday will be told you have to leave. You oh, have to self-accommodate. And, yeah, yeah. And they could be in the hotel for eight months. Mm-hmm. You have to leave because it's booked up for the weekend. They'll be told to self-accommodate, which means they have to phone around and find accommodation. And if they can't, then they'll come here and then we will use those apartments. So we have to use our funding. Has this room been used to... This room has been used to accommodate families at night time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we would have to have volunteers here then to stay with them as well. Sorry, go on. Who pay... So when they're told that, where do they get the money to find their emergency accommodation for the well, three days. Well, that's paid through the DRHE okay. as well. Yeah, so they when they ring when they ring a hotel, say, and say, do you have accommodation? Do you accept this the homeless payment? Mm-hmm. If the hotel can say, no, we don't. Okay. Or yes, we do. So they can ring and ring. And they it's can the ring same as day. landlords refusing to take that's social welfare same. payments. Yeah. yeah. But like they can go out of their hotel on a Thursday night and be told, well, you have to go tonight, but you can go back on Tuesday. Yeah. Because your room will be free again. And your family may be I mean, separated it's not time, bad right? enough. Yeah. You know, then to have to go. And this is not just But a that's guy accepted. And a girl. That's the problem. Like, yeah. that's considered okay. Oh, yeah. That's the issue. Yeah, because yeah. it's become normal practice. Mm-hmm. And it's become learned behavior. And it's very hard to unlearn behavior, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's, that's a lot of the problem, too. It's just become acceptable. It's become, oh, that's just the way it is. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not the way it should be. Absolutely You not. know, it's, it's too bad. Like, you look at all these children. Like, you look at teenagers, teenagers especially, you know, living in emergency accommodation, going to school, going to secondary school, doing their exams and going back to a hotel room, you know, afraid to tell their friends, you know, I'm living in a hotel or I'm homeless or whatever. There's no shame in homelessness. There's no shame in being a Well, the shame would be with the people who are supposed to be housing those people rather than the people who are homeless. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know, and how they take a wage at the end of the week, you know, how these big guys go to the bank link and withdraw their big fat wage. Yeah. and sleep at night you know knowing like I often wonder is it just a big industry is it a massive industry to these people because you know somebody's making money somewhere you know and if they solved homelessness all these other places would have no need Income. for these jobs yeah. they would have unemployment you know from all their workers but if you, if if you, if you put everyone in, in a secure housing and they could in, like be employed from that housing, well, then that would be a better benefit to society than just Completely, the yeah. top one but or it two flourish. percent. It would make every child that. flourish, you know, mentally, physically, socially. You know, the children are meant to blossom. They're meant to bloom. They can't do that. Teenagers are meant to do it. Adults are meant to do it. And they're all being suppressed. Every single one of them is being suppressed. They're being labelled and they're being suppressed. Like, I feel anybody that knocks on the door of ICHH and asks for a bag of food is very brave. Mm -hmm. It's a very brave thing to do, to actually say, I'm homeless, would you have a sandwich? Well, desperation desperation in a lot of cases, bravery goes out the window. Oh, yeah. You need to do that. If you've got children especially... Honor goes out the window. It's yeah. like feeding those children, housing those children, yeah. sheltering those children. Yeah. They're what And you can't essential. break down. Like we have mums and dads come in here and they have this brave face on. And underneath, I'm sure they just want to fall asunder and say, I can't do this. 
Mm. You know, I just can't do this. And they can't let the kids see that. Yeah, of course. You know, and their relationship alone, like just just the whole, we see them and they have the car, it's out, they don't have a car and they've all their belongings in it. And they could be, they'd be sitting here all day, wait till the 10 o'clock to say, no, there is no bed for you. And then Anthony or Brian will ring up and, you know, okay, we have, uh, Ollie, do you have an apartment? Can we have it for tonight? Yeah, okay, but you can only have it for tonight. All right, well, then we'll change it tomorrow if we need. You're packing all their stuff up again. You're moving them tomorrow. They're making the same phone calls. And it's just absolutely horrific. I don't know how, I don't know how people, I don't know how the big guys think this is okay. You know, it's not okay. There's enough money there. They say the money is there. They've got budgets. A lot of big corporations have budgets for this type of thing. Yeah. But like it's we, where are they directing it? Myself and Brian, we've linked in with a charity in Belfast called SOS. And they do slightly different things to us, but they actually only have 12 homeless people in Belfast. What? Yes, 12 homeless people, 12 actual homeless people in Belfast. Oh my goodness. Yeah. As far as I know, in England, there is a one night only rule where you're only homeless for one night. They will have to give you accommodation. If you choose not to take that accommodation, that's your choice. But it is of a standard that it's okay. And, you know, they will do their best. But like 12 people... You know, imagine if we only had 12 people. 12 people, that's amazing. You know, oh my God, like it, we just, you know, but it's like coming up to Christmas now, we don't just have families that are homeless or in emergency accommodation. We'll have families that are struggling at our door as well, you know, trying to see, have, like, would you have some toys? If you got some toys in, would you put them, would you have a shoebox for a three-year-old girl and a two-year-old boy? I'm sure sanitary um, probably products as well like would be major oh, like for absolutely. people just to wash yourself, have a few just, baby wipes yeah. to make yourself feel like a human and being. Do you know and what? One of our biggest things for guys on the streets is white socks. Clean and white socks. Clean white socks, yeah. We feel it's probably like that, that cleanliness, that psychological effect mm. of those fresh, clean white, the simplest thing that people wouldn't even bat an eyelid for, fresh pair of clean white socks. Because when people give us socks, they give us black socks and we, you know, to hide the dirt. You know, and it's, it's kind of like, OK, I get where you're coming from. But, um, you know, everything in their life already is black. Their head is down, you know, everything is dark. You know, it's that nice, fresh feeling we imagine of those fresh white socks. And remember, they're walking all day long. You know, they're walking with their life. People say, I have a duvet for you. Oh, lads, who's going to carry a duvet around? They're already labelled. They have a backpack on, you know, they have a, ba- a sleeping bag on the their look. arm. Yeah. They, you yeah. know, they wear their homelessness. They don't yeah. want to wear it anymore by carrying a duvet, you know. So it's, but again, you know, it's, it's, we know that, you know, we, we, that's, we hope to educate people about that. And maybe by doing it, we hope to raise awareness and hopefully bring in the funds as well, you know, and inspire people to maybe, if you give us 300 quid, that will buy us bread for three weeks. You know, that's the way it works. That's the way we will turn your 300 quid around. If you give us 500 quid, that will buy us 32 sleeping bags. You know, so when you put it that way, we hope that it might say to them, well, that's not really a lot. Maybe we'll try and up it a little bit and try a little harder with you. So, you know, we try and put it into real terms Mm -hmm. just to try and see this is where your money goes. This is the equivalent of what it will buy for us because every cent that comes in here goes into the charity. You know, it doesn't go anywhere. So anywhere, you know, else... And everyone's here because they want to be here. We have one small wage on admin, but that was a necessity that we had to get this year because we just couldn't. We just couldn't keep up. And even now we can't keep up, you know, but 
Absolutely. Yeah. It must be a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. And we have a curse jar upstairs, <laughs> that, <laughs> which, which is a fundraising <laughs> idea. <laughs> we, we have a curse jar. Yeah, we have a curse jar and we have a staying too late jar as well <laughs> to try and encourage one particular lady to go home because she's here too many hours, too many days. And it's to get her home to get some headspace because otherwise she wouldn't go home. So these are fundraising ideas that we've we put in. We probably need more of those people. <laughs> we, we probably need more of those people. We do. We do. And, you know, like it's only, as you say, if you were to take away, you know, whoever's behind this door, you know, it doesn't matter what they do or how many hours they put in. If you put in two hours, that's the that's brilliant. <laughs> to yeah. us, two hours, even every six weeks is worth a fortune. Yeah. But if you were to transfer that into what it would be <clears> worth <throat> on a wage... I could only imagine, you know, I, I couldn't even imagine. I know, this whole situation, like, it really makes me kind of sad, like, because traditionally Irish people have been per capita the most generous people yeah. in the world when it's got to do with charities and raising money yeah. for other causes across the world, et etc. et cetera. But when it comes to helping our own, we just don't seem to give a shit sometimes, you know? I think I think a lot of people from where, like, just from talking to people, um, a lot of people sometimes think, you know, okay, we're sending the money out, you know, we need we need to yeah. we need to deal with who we have here. We need yes. to be able to mind our own. And that's not like you know, a, as you rightly said, we need to be able to mind. Talk, but we do need to look here. after our own community. We do. I mean, if we can't look after them and nourish and mind who we have, we're going to crumble. Yes. You know, what's it going to leave for the future for the kids and everything? We're just going to fall asunder. We're going to have no empathy left. Mm. Going to have no kindness left. We're going to have no social skills left. The figures are growing instead of going down, isn't it? Year yeah. on year, the figures are oh, going yeah. up, going Completely. up, going up. And yeah. more and more, what would be classed as middle class people are yeah. ending up on the streets. On the street. So yeah. like just normal, look out your door tomorrow and some of those people that live in your road might yeah. well not be living there in six oh, months time. No. Even though the boom is back. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, you know, it, yeah, it just, it scares too. me. You know, it scares me. I was talking to a girl that lives um, out in Kildare recently. She's a teacher. And she was just saying to me, like, I'd love you to come out and talk to kids because they're so far removed out here from the reality of poverty, you know, just in the area that we live in. They're so far removed that it scares me. She's from Dublin City and she said, like, my God, they really are so. And it's trying to protect them as well. You know, it, it just as I say, it scares me because I think we're becoming we can. Although we have still very generous people, we are still becoming a bit cold and a bit numb. Do you think that the financial on? crisis kind of changed the people of Ireland a little bit? That so yeah. many people were down on their luck that it's kind of like we're all scrapping for the crumbs now and we can't see the cake on the table anymore. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. And but I there think is some, cake, isn't there? There's enough cake for everyone, really. Of course, there's plenty of cake. There's yeah. plenty of everything. Plenty of stuff to go around, you know, and plenty, the same as there's plenty of empathy, there's plenty of kindness. Yeah. There's plenty of goodwill, you know, and people just need to kind of awaken it again. And not be so, you know, it's not about material things. It's just about being real, I think. And just probably opening your eyes a little wider and not not reading the book by its cover. Yeah. You know, like I just say to a lot of the kids I talk to, what does a homeless person look like? You know, well, it would they look like me. How, how long they're homeless, you know, really, yeah. wouldn't it be? You know, yeah. yeah. You know, because there is a spoil over time, isn't there? Yeah. Really, like, because absolutely. The vulnerability you can only, you can only be hopeful for so long. And have yeah. so many doors closed in your face before yeah. eventually you're going to have you're gonna, that drink yeah. to calm your nerves at the end and of the, the day. And the survival or, skills that they have to develop to actually survive on the street. You know, you're coming into cold nights now. You're coming into, you know, people think, oh, you know, the drink and the, the addiction, the alcohol and the drugs. 
like you can, what, you can what, would there be would there be um like people don't you can't learn this thing you can't learn how to survive in this situation like is there a leaflet is there a, a survival guide to homelessness that's out there and would that be useful for people we actually made one up yeah yeah we actually yeah. made one up would yeah. you believe yeah. um only a few weeks ago and it's basically it's just the guidelines it's about the services that are there the you know where to go for this where to go for that what what you need to do when you become homeless yes a step by step guide and we actually got them a guy offered and he he designed them for us and then we got them printed and we all had an input S- send into us them. that info and we'll paint it somewhere in the middle of the city and then that way people don't have to be yeah. given it they can just See yeah, yeah because they don't know what to do of course yeah. and they're afraid to ask because i remember when i was homeless it was like one of like finding Same. out things there are little gems of information that people can give you like it's like well if you go to this place at this time you can get like a decent oh, meal yeah. and yeah. if you go to these people they'll be able to like give you a sleeping bag or yeah. they'll be able to and yeah. when you've got absolutely nothing a yeah. free meal and a sleeping bag is, is pretty absolutely. handy you've the likes of brother kevin's you know mm. you've these places are important but even just to go even just to know where to go to register to know the phone number to ring for your bed, to know what the hostels are like, to know if you don't ring, what will happen. Yeah. You know, and to know the, the places to avoid. There is well, no one to take yeah. your hand. Because yeah. there are some hostels that are worth avoiding. If you're Absolutely. only at the very start of like your journey into this, yeah. like some of them will drag you down into insanity pretty quickly. Yeah. Whereas like yeah. if you're a family, you don't want to be going to some of no. those. But even the young lads on the streets, the, what we would call vulnerables, you know, you can see them the first night because they don't make eye contact with you. They look down and they're kind of afraid, like a rabbit in the headlights. Of course, yes. And then when they do actually go in, you, if they go into the wrong hostel, you can see them decline so fast. Mm. And then a lot of them will actually sleep outside the city then. Mm. As the, night, the nights go on, you will actually see them say, no, I'm sleeping out in such a place, sleeping out here, because they're, they're trying exploited. to avoid. And they're being exploited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they try to stay away from where the dangers are and the addictions are and the temptations are. So they're trying to survive you know, and in order to do that, they're going right out. Like our van will go right out anywhere it's needed. Dunleary, Ratmines, Renala, you know, Hote, Malahide, Port Marnock, Rohini, Artane. That's where it will be every single night because they're trying to avoid being in the city centre where all these temptations and just basically, I suppose, trying to survive. You and know there are, like, they're springing up, like, I've seen them around, like, there are little tent cities yes. popping up. And we've never had that before. No, we've no. never had, like, no. a congregation of 50 people in, no. in sleeping bags and, and yeah, tents yeah. sleeping in an yeah. area and, like, basically claiming that area. And that is yeah. becoming, like, a culture. Oh, it's becoming the norm. It's a cultural thing, yeah. like, there yeah. are people in parks. Yeah. They'll have addresses next. Yes. There, you know, yeah. because yes. they are becoming, you know, yeah. that is what yeah. they're... Yeah. And they're... They probably feel safe in these groups as well, you see. Yeah, and they course, mind yeah, each it's other. Protection, yeah, you yeah, know, they mind yeah, each other. Yeah. Like we, we have little what I suppose I'd call pods of people that yes. stick together yeah. in certain places all over the city because like that they mind each other they and they look families, after each other. Yeah. But that's yeah. just like any community anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. And community is important. And that's I suppose the main thing. We forget we are communities. And yeah. we forget we need to mind our communities, you know, whether there's a roof over the head or there's not. We're still a community and we still need to remember that, you know, and everybody needs to probably open the eyes a little wider, open the heart a little wider and maybe just realise, you know, listen, lads, could be me any day. Everyone has dignity, no matter everybody. how low down you oh, are. Oh, no, of God, absolutely. Everybody, you know, we all need a bit of mind and a little bit of respect. And just uh, to wrap it up, guys, because it's only a couple of days out until the Grey Area Project. So what's the hopes for that? The hopes is to raise a big stack of cash that people right. with the money will donate the money, will give the money, will do what they're responsible to do. 
to anyone that's kind of out there listening that maybe hovering around the idea of getting a ticket or heading down stop fucking hovering and just spend the money <laughs> go to people su- need go, that money go to subset.ie and if you can't make the event buy a print and they're labelled as grey area prints all the proceeds from those go to ICHH go and buy some of the grey area merchandise all the proceeds from that go to ICHH and uh, we think for your bang for book, um, for your enjoyment, and just to be part of a cultural movement in Dublin City, uh, definitely come to the event because it's going to be enjoyable. It's going to be a sight to behold, and it definitely is something that you'll remember, and hopefully it will be remembered as a historical event. Um, not because necessarily what we'll achieve with this event, but for us anyway, we look at this as just a starting point, really. And that's why it's so important that so many people get involved, because... The project goes nowhere, the exhibition goes nowhere, the fundraiser goes nowhere without the support of all the people attending it. And if they don't attend it, we're not going to be able to do it again. And if anybody ever, like if anyone is any, you know, wondering as to where the money is going and what it's going into, they're more than welcome, more than welcome to ring our office and ask for myself and I will gladly show them around gladly give them a tour, gladly chat to them, show them exactly where every cent is going. What would you use the money for? Um, well, I think coming into the winter now, our most important thing will be sleeping bags. Sleeping bags and to keep our food running. Um, emergency equipment, like we would have to make sure that we do, if we do need accommodation, um, make sure our vans are on the road, make sure we can deliver the outreach service that needs to be delivered. The bare minimum, essentially. Yeah. The bare minimum. Yeah. Just the bare basics. You know, like we we have to buy every sleeping bag that we give out. If you ring the free phone and there's no beds, you're entitled to a sleeping bag. But in order to get that sleeping bag, you have to walk. There's a place a few doors down from us or you have to walk as far as you know, it's Harcourt Street. So if you've been walking around all day, you can't, you're not able to do that. So they will knock here. But we have like, How we have those sleeping bags bags last like how long would a sleeping bag do a homeless person not long yeah if, if it rains tonight it's gone, gone. yeah it's and i gone. think people forget that it's, yeah it's if it rains everything is gone the clothes yeah. the shoes the sleeping bag the whole lot uh they get stolen yeah because they've know. got to stash their stuff quite often yeah. and then we get we get jokers i think it's funny excuse the language to have a piss on a rough sleeper when or they're going set by. It on fire set it on fire yeah there's one guy video my other guy's having a piss on a guy who's asleep because they think it's funny, you know. So Do you think that's also a fear that, like, people really know that, like, they, deep down they know that they're one step away from that. And that's, like, a fear thing that, like, I know that could be me tomorrow. So there's a reaction to that. It's like... Yeah. Um, it's hard to know. It's hard it's to know whether... It could go two ways. They could either think that will never be me. So, you know, a few. Or, you know, yeah, maybe, you know, it could be, yeah. And they don't know how to act around them. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are afraid to know how to act around a rough sleeper. You know, and at the end of the day, the nicest thing you can do is actually sit down beside them and ask them what their name is. But this is what I find ask incredible you about like, your soup runs. Like, it's one of the most important things when somebody does come up to you and they are, they treat you like a human being. Oh, yeah. And they just speak to you. They ask you, like, well, genuinely interested in yeah. how your day was and yeah. how you're feeling. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's priceless. You can't, yeah. like, ever... Pay for that. Oh, you can't. And we, I got to say to people, we all say to people, you know, if you're going to, if you see somebody like a genuine rough sleeper and you want to go into the shop and get them something, don't go in and just buy them a cup of coffee and a sandwich. Sit down and say to them, listen, my name is so-and-so, five rummy card, don't have cash, but I'm going to go in and buy you something. Is there anything you'd like? Mm. And the chances are they could say to you, I'd love a bounty bar, a can of Coke and a Herald. 
you know, and that's worth more to actually sit down beside them, recognize them, ask their name, introduce yourself, chat for 10 minutes and say, what would you like me to get you? Instead of just presuming, oh, I'll get this guy a sandwich and a cup of tea. Mightn't drink tea. Yeah. Mightn't eat bread. You know, give a little bit more thought to it. Very simple. It's just about stopping and thinking. You know, it makes, it makes the world a difference. The world a difference. It really does. So, yeah. So, as I say, any, any money that we get, we'll go into the, the daily, daily basics that we need to provide every single day. Pay for our bread, pay for our meat. Um, if we need chocolate, we, we tend not to buy chocolate because it's so expensive, but we have to have chocolate every day. We desperately need chocolate every day. It's our number one food on the street. And, um, is that because it's like a high calorie kind of get you sugar the day rush. It's comfort. Yeah. yeah, it's the yes. comfort Total and it's comfort. with the addiction when they come down, they need that sugar. So like our, the minimum sugars in a tea is probably six sugars or in a coffee is six sugars. So it's about the sugar. Yeah, but like not you every, know, and it is surely not everyone out there, like the addiction thing, like the proportion of people who are addicted who are homeless, was, it's got to be like less than it's, 50%. It's, it's a lot less now than what people think. Yes, yes. it yeah, is a lot less. Because that would be like yeah. the common thought would be, they're just all like junkies or alcoholics. Oh, that is, yeah. But and that's really, the it could be further from the truth, couldn't it? Yeah. But the, you're right, the chocolate thing, it is the comfort. It is like if people want a treat, you know, and they can't afford a new dress, you, always, you, know, you can always nearly afford a bar of chocolate. You know, it's lovely. It melts in the mouth, the endorphins. It's just, it's a comfort food. Mm. Yeah, a nice cup of tea, dip your chocolate in it. You know, the old way. Oh, back to basics, back to simple treats. And that's all they ask for. <laughs> yeah, just the simplest of treats, so... I'd say we'll probably leave it there, guys. Is there anything else that we didn't chat about that you were eager to ha- include? No, just come to the event. Um, it's a unique venue. It's a vacant shopping centre, which is ties in well to the vacant buildings around the city. So um, it's sort of a paradox. But yeah, unique venue, good event, or good people, directly. or donate directly. Yeah. So upset that I go and buy a ticket. You'll enjoy yourself. You won't regret it. <laughs>